Hey, today's episode is about homeschooling. This episode is for people who are thinking about homeschooling. Maybe you started because of COVID and you've been crisis schooling and you want to know a little more about it. Maybe some things you can do differently. This episode is for people who think homeschooling sounds interesting, but maybe they started and now they're not so sure. This episode is for people who are curious and they want to understand more. Let's go talk about some homeschooling. Hey, hey, welcome to The Eva Show. I'm Eva Miller. As a domestic violence survivor turned life and wellness coach, I'm on a mission to help you acknowledge your worth, reclaim your power, and find your voice in this noisy world. If you're feeling stuck and looking for help, or you just want to be reminded that it's a-okay to be your unique self in a conforming world, you're in the right place. You ready to ditch expectations other people have put on you and rise to become who you've always wanted to be? Let's go. All right, welcome back to The Eva Show. I've kind of commandeered the set here, but I do have a special guest with me today. <laughs> so this is Moose, by the way, in case I didn't mention who I am. I'm the sane one in the family. <laughs> That's rich. So would you care to introduce yourself? Yeah, my name's Eva Miller. This is this used to be my show. I guess it's not. Well, no, now. it's still your show. I'll still, I, I still let you have it. Oh, well, thanks. Okay. So it's just a temporary commandeering? Yeah, it's just of... a temporary takeover. <laughs> it's not even hostile. Okay, good deal, good deal. So we just want to talk about how we got started in homeschooling, how long we went, what some things are that we did, things we found that we really liked, a couple different things that we tried, some of the obstacles we encountered, and we're going to finish with our biggest takeaways and the things we wish we had done differently. Yeah. So let's get started. Let's get started. So, you know, we'd mentioned a while back, that you know, military family, so we moved quite a bit. The first few years of my career in the military, we moved probably almost as much as officers move. Like we averaged three years at a base. I didn't realize that that yeah. was a thing for them. I yeah, thought officers, everybody did that. No, officers move every couple of years, but we were, you know, as enlisted folks, you usually stay at a place, you know, for a length of time at least. But mm -hmm. we were kind of averaging three years at a location. So our first base, we were there right at three years mm -hmm. and then shortly before that we found out that i was going to have a remote assignment to korea and this was going to take place right i was coming back from korea right in the middle of a school year yeah you should explain though what a remote is a remote is where the active duty member goes to a location by themselves and leaves their family at home or if they're single then you know yeah then they just go but a remote is usually a year or 18 months long. Yeah. This yeah. one was one year long. And we asked if we could go for two years and go as a family, mm -hmm. but the Air Force said no. No, they they didn't like that idea. So it's like, okay, you know, I'll go and do my time. Yeah. And But we knew coming back, it was going to be right in the middle of the school year, like I mentioned, and that was going to be disruptive to our, our oldest, who's going to be just starting into first grade. Kindergarten. Was it kindergarten? Mm -hmm. I thought it was first grade, but okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, kindergarten comes before first grade. Right, yeah, I know. <laughs> I was a show-and-tell object at kindergarten for my brother, <laughs> so I kind of remember that. <laughs> well, they haven't changed it since you were there. Well, you know, it was a long time ago. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah. So Ryan was having a very hard time. Moose had been gone about six-ish months. He left in February, and so school was supposed to start in September. And Ryan was still really yeah. angry. Yeah, there were numerous um, times when I would call from Korea, you know, got my free phone call, and he would be 
he'd come on the phone and he'd be mad. He's like, Daddy, I'm mad at you. I'm like, yeah. well, why are you mad at me? He says, because the other dads get to come home at the end of the day when they're at work. You're not coming home. Yeah. I'm mad because you're not coming home. Yeah, he was like, why won't you come home? It was That was terrible. So he was having a hard time emotionally. And while homeschooling had never been on the radar, a friend of mine oh, yeah, had not started. Not at all. We never <laughs> even dreamed of it. We were you know, just going to do the I'd the never even thing heard and, of it. Yeah, and my put friend, the kids in school when they got old enough. My friend Lisa took her daughter out of public school and kept her at home because she saw some personality changes that concerned her. So I kind of was watching her and asking a bunch of questions, not because I thought that it might be for me, because I'm a curious person. And talking to her made me realize that it was something we needed to consider for Ryan for kindergarten, just for the purpose of stability. You know, yeah. he was already having a, a hard enough time to get him used to daddy being gone and then to get him used to going to a new place every day, all day with a bunch of new kids. And then just about the time he gets used to that, having Uproot daddy come him, back yeah. home, going to another new state with a whole nother classroom of kids was going to be another hard adjustment. And if you're not a military family or you haven't been, you may not understand that when the active duty person comes home from a deployment, that's great. But that adjustment time is yeah. just as hard as when they leave. Because the active duty person that's been gone has been used to just relying on themselves. And that's the only person they got to look out for. It can be a little bit hard for them to re-engage mm -hmm. again. And kids get used to asking the person who stayed home with them for everything. Everything. Mm -hmm. In fact, it took our kids about nine-ish months, yeah. as I recall, to even think to ask you for something after you got back from Korea. Yeah. And so we felt like stability-wise, it was better to keep Ryan home for kindergarten. Yeah, and it was just kindergarten. So we figured... How, How badly bad? can we yeah. screw that up? Exactly. It can't be um, terrible. But it turned out that it went well. Our move went well. And we finished out the school year mm -hmm. in North Carolina, the new state. But right after we got there, we found out that North Carolina was ranked 48 out of the 50 states in education. And the county we lived in was last in, in the, the state. state yeah. mm -hmm. So that Somewhere. didn't build confidence. So we decided... You know, we would continue schooling Ryan at home for first grade because mm -hmm. things were going well. I mean, we were kids were still adjusting a little bit and everybody was enjoying being together. And we kind of were, I call it cocooning for mm -hmm. lack of a better word. And I was really enjoying in kindergarten. I really enjoyed teaching Ryan, watching him learn and getting to know his strengths and his weaknesses academically. And so Rolling on into first grade seemed kind of natural, I yeah, guess. Yeah. And and, and then, then <laughs> we were getting in our groove over the summer and it was, established actually, mailing address. And oh yeah, it was around there. I thought it was actually a little earlier than that, but you're right. I think it was the summer. Yeah. Our my mom wrote Ryan a letter and she mailed it to him. She'd written it in print. It was specifically for him. And it came in the mail and he was sitting on the couch reading it. And Drew, the youngest one, asked me why Grammy didn't write him a letter. And I said, well, when you learn how to read, she will send you mail. And he looked at me and he snapped his head around and Little looked at his brother. Down. He was like, Ryan, you can read? And Ryan like waved his letter and was like, yeah, like really confused. Of course I can read. And then he's like, does daddy know? And Ryan was like, 
yeah. And then Drew looked at me and he asked if I could read. And I said, yeah, of course I can read. And he again was like, just incredulous. Does daddy know? Yes, daddy knows I can read. And then he sat there and I, I looked at him and I said, and daddy knows how to read too. And he took it in for a minute and he looked around at the room and he was like, so everybody can read except me. And I, he was four. Of course he couldn't read. Mm. And I was like, yeah. And he made up his mind right then. I want you to teach me how to read. And I kind of was like, oh, when you start school, I'll teach you how to read, blah, blah. And he was like, no, I want you to teach me now. And so we spent the next two weeks teaching him how to read. And he soaked it up like a sponge and started reading, which that was one of the first things we learned was that mm -hmm. when a child is ready. They're ready. Or, They're motivated. Or if they want it, they are motivated. Mm -hmm. If you've ever potty trained a child who wasn't ready and potty trained a child who was, you know the difference. You know how much smoother it can go when it's something the kid wants. And that's what reading was like for Drew, learning mm -hmm. to read. Of course, it started... Until he figured out. Yeah, it started and ended right you, there. When you read, you have to sit still and be quiet because you're reading. You and can't he, read and talk at the same time. He was not about that. No. He was our high-energy kid. High-energy, what a very sweet way to put it. Yeah. you got Some of you who have multiple children will understand what I'm saying. If my second child had been the first child, he would have been an only child. Okay. I'm just telling you that kid had as much, he made as much noise and movement and had as much energy as three kids. He wore me out. And I'm just telling you if he'd been first, he'd been only. So yeah, we'll just leave it at that. So <laughs> Drew, Drew was not serious about reading. He was just serious about not being the only person who couldn't. Cause he wanted to get mail. Right, right. Mail. It's all about the mail. So as we progressed on in you know, first grade and then into second grade and third grade and Drew was getting ready to start school, it was not on our radar to continue doing this. Never. No way. Especially her radar. Nope. She was very nervous because she just explained Drew. Okay. High energy the, kid. Could I just clarify something here? Point of order. There's a very big difference between being nervous and being exhausted and overwhelmed. They are not the same things. So Yeah, I think you actually <laughs> said to me they <laughs> I can't school them both. I can't school them both. They out energize me <laughs> and outnumber me. <laughs> and you're gonna come home one day and I'm gonna be tied to a chair and they're gonna be running around in circles and it's gonna be a total coup and they're gonna take over the house. <laughs> it's true. And I'm gonna be Gone. I kind of I remember just, saying something about being bald because I was going to yeah. pull my hair out. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Those were my feelings. They were valid. <laughs> but here's the interesting part. Throughout the bulk of our marriage, I can count probably nine times out of 10, probably more than that, 99% of the time, she has been so much further down the road than I am on important things that our family needed to be doing. Not that I was out of touch. She just thought that far ahead and planned things out. But this one, I knew. I don't know how I knew, but I knew that homeschooling was what we needed to keep doing. And I already knew that there was going to be some pushback because they out-energized and outnumbered her. <laughs> I so, was not on board with that at all. So we sat down to talk about it. And I'm like, I need, you, I need you to pray about this because I think we might need to do this 
but I need you to pray about it and tell me what you think. I already knew, but I just needed her to get on board with what I had already knew we needed to do. So she said, oh, oh yeah, I'll pray about it. All right. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble. Okay. Let's, let's. And I did, you know, for the first several days, my prayers were, all right, God, don't you make me do that. You're not really going to make me do that. Are you very much was, uh, dug my feet in the ground. Mm, I think we had that initial discussion either on a Saturday or a Sunday, Mm -hmm. you know, about Thursday throughout the week, because we're going to readdress it the next weekend. (laughs) And I'm at work and we have multiple shifts because we had to cover the flight line. The plane's out there. People work out there 24 hours a day. So you have to provide support. And you've got three different shifts. you got your day shift, your swing shift, and then your mid shift. And our supervisor's sitting there. We got everybody in. It was close to the end of the day. And he's like, we need somebody to go on swings. And I'm thinking, swings, that's 3 to 11. That's a good time. And nobody wanted that. And nobody wanted it because everybody else had kids. In school. That were in school. So they're like, I'll never get to see my kids. Mm-hmm. I can't go to their, their games. I can't go to anything because I'll mm-hmm. be at work. So nobody really wanted to do it. And we have a phrase in the military, you get voluntold if you don't have volunteers. So I, I thought about it. And after the meeting was over, I went to my supervisor and I said, I think I may be able to do the swing shift. I need to talk to my wife first. But it may be something that we can do. So... Came home that evening, got off work, and I said, have you been praying (laughs) about whether or not we need to keep homeschooling? And she's like, oh, yeah, I've been praying. Trust me. Trust me. I've been (laughs) praying. And I said, okay, I have a suggestion. There's an opportunity for me to work swing shift, 3 to 11. So that means I would be home during the day to help with schooling both kids. What do you think? You remember what I said? Oh, I'm in. <laughs> Just like that. I'm in. Okay, I'm in. As long as I don't have to do this by myself. Because it was, kids. she wouldn't be overwhelmed as much, and she definitely wouldn't be outnumbered. Well, well you'd be no, there to you protect me would from because them. you still have one girl and three boys. <laughs> and it worked out better for us because by nature, I'm a morning person. Mm-hmm. And when I was at work, I gave almost everything I had to my job. So when I came home, I'm tired mentally, physically, and I just was not as engaged as I could have been because I just didn't have much left. So this way, with me working night shift. Work got leftovers. Work got the leftovers (laughs) because I put most of my focus into my family and they got the best part of me for a good chunk of the time. And that was was really good for us. Yeah, you ended up being on, you ended up being on swings like, two years or something. Mm -hmm. It was a long time. And we tried a couple of different things during that two years. Right. So our oldest is a visual learner like me. And the youngest drew is an auditory learner like Moose. Mm -hmm. So Moose taught drew and I taught Ryan every subject, you know, we just each taught a kid and then a few things we did together, Mm -hmm. but by and large, like, you know, the age appropriate things we separated then the other year, and I don't remember which one we did first yeah, or what order we did it in, but the other year you schooled both kids in certain subjects. Mm-hmm. I schooled yeah. both kids in different subjects. And so we tried different things, tag teaming. We tried a lot of different curriculum and stuff like that. And some things worked better than others. It's just a, 
I thought choosing the right curriculum was like the be all end all. If you mm. had the perfect curriculum, everything was going to go great. And that's not true. You can have terrible curriculum and things will still go well, mm-hmm. or you can have really awesome curriculum that is terrible for your family mm-hmm. and things won't go well. And so yeah, you just got to figure out what, what yeah. works and what fits each kid's learning styles and things like that. I was terrified of choosing the wrong curriculum and quote unquote wasting money. But I learned very quickly, you figure out if it doesn't work for you, you just resell it and somebody mm-hmm. else buys it because it's exactly what they're looking for. And so that wasn't as scary as I thought it was going to be either. But through that time, we started noticing things that we really liked. Yeah, we would were able to spend a lot of time together throughout the day. Yeah. And we would do our grocery shopping together as a family. Yeah. And they would go with us and be able to participate in, you know, choosing the food and learning prices and well we started talking about real life math skills right then real life math skills we figured out that going to lunch it wasn't as crowded yeah you liked that better it it wasn't as expensive yeah that was right up your alley that was yeah i mean less money and fewer people i'm in oh yeah we're we're good to go (laughs) Uh, you know field trips we go different places and yeah one of the good things about because you set your own schedule when you homeschool and there'd be days we would get up and we'd look outside oh yeah 60, 70 degrees outside, the sun's out, it's a beautiful day. And, and you just and look out hot. the door and it's like, hmm, I think it's going to snow today. It's a snow day. Yep. I remember the first time you did that, you took the kids outside mm-hmm. and it was super nice. It had been hot, like mm-hmm. crazy hot. It was the first cool day we'd had in a while. And you went outside and you were like, do you smell that? Smell it. And the kids were all <laughs> trying, to sm- <laughs> trying to smell. And you're like, it smells like snow. I think it's going to snow. We're having a snow day. School is closed. And the kids were freaking out. And we were like, no, we're just going to go to the park and play all day because yeah. it was an awesome day for that. And we did things like we did school work outside. Mm-hmm. The kids loved being outside. And when the fall eventually came to North Carolina, mm-hmm. the weather was good and we hung outside and it was great. We also realized that we liked the freedom of being able to go places during the school year. Like on one of your deployments, you came back like October-ish or something, yeah. I think. And we just took off, took a few days and went to the mountains, just us, Mm -hmm. took the dog, got a hotel in the mountains and spent three days just hanging out, spending time with daddy, wrestling with daddy, Mm -hmm. playing in the pool with daddy, all the things with daddy. Yeah, we wrestled a lot. We really liked it because like the hotel wasn't crowded. There were only a handful of people staying there. Then we got our orders to Georgia. Mm -hmm. We just kept schooling them because it was working. And in the beginning... You know, people asked us all the time. The first question people would ask us is, what about socialization? Right. How are you going to make sure that they know how to socialize and be participating citizens? Yeah, which, right. Mm -hmm. When when somebody asked that question, we already knew that they weren't really critically thinking about this because everything about homeschooling is about socialization. It is about socialization. It sets you up for real life skills and interactions yeah, because we still our kids still participated in sports they played soccer and football, and, football. Mm-hmm. and one of the homeschool groups that we belong to in texas we'll get to that in a little bit there was an active volleyball program yeah and i coached volleyball and i coached the kids i coached their soccer teams i i didn't coach the football team but they already had their coaches and the thing about socialization that we always got asked we never really understood that because we were like what about sitting in a classroom with 20 something other kids exactly your same age within a year of your your birthday and one adult in the room is anything at all like real life every job i've ever had like at my first job the first couple jobs i was the youngest person there 
But after a while, I had people older and younger than Mm -hmm. me, like a whole lot older than me, a little older than me. I eventually it got to the place where I had a boss that was younger than me. And so it's not real life to think of that's artificial learning. It's not real learning and it's not real life. It's not real socialization. And it, it isn't. No, because your kid learns to handle their big feelings the way all the other kids that are exactly their age handle them. Mm-hmm. And so not to say that we handled all of our big feelings perfectly, but if we screwed up, we would go back and say we were sorry. Mm-hmm and fix it or try to fix it. That doesn't always happen when you're in a school setting like that. And so, but the second question that we were asked all the time, right behind socialization was how long are you going to do this? Right. And in the beginning, in the beginning, we were, we're just going to take this one year at a time. Yeah. Cause we didn't, we had no clue. It was never on the radar to do it at all. No, we still hadn't, you know, decided that it was going to be a permanent thing for us as a family. It was, we're taking this one year at a time. And as long as it continues to work, as long as they're getting a good education, as long as we feel like we can get them the education they need, then we'll we'll keep doing it each year. Mm-hmm. And we'd never really planned on doing it all the way through. Yeah. So we very quickly went from one year at a time to until it stops working. And so when we moved to Texas, we kept right on going. Drew is a smart kid. Drew's like me. He was, but, a, he was a smart because kid. Because in school... I just barely did enough to get by. Yeah. I wasn't really interested in sitting in a classroom all day long uh, because there was a lot of reading involved and I wasn't an avid reader as a kid. I could pick up stuff listening, but elementary school and even junior high and high school aren't really lecture based. You read it out of a book. Yeah. And none of that really set with me. And Drew wasn't, I mean, he knew how to read, but he didn't enjoy reading. Well, it also involved sitting still and being quiet and classroom setting to learn anything. <laughs> so he he's he was a little bit lazy and putting him in school wouldn't have been good for him because he would have done well enough to not get noticed that mm-hmm. he needed help in some areas. He wouldn't have done so poorly that he would have gotten noticed, but he wouldn't have done so well that he was living up to any that kind of... That he would have been in the AP classes. Or, or living up to any kind mm-hmm. of his own actual potential. But Ryan had already figured out, like in second grade, mm-hmm. he already was noticing that his friends across the street and, and next door, they were leaving and they were gone all day long. And then they came home and they still had work to do when they got home. Mm-hmm. And he could not understand that. And of course, we did not want that for them. We were right. like, no. Nah. Well, that doesn't prepare you for a job either, because most jobs, you go to work, you come home, you're not bringing work home with you most of the time. Yeah. Most jobs don't involve that. Well, so. and, and then there was just the whole thing of you've got the kid from eight to three. It's done. Mm-hmm. You know, so Ryan figured out really very early on that he, he liked having some control over his time. Mm-hmm. And then I had a chance to work a dream job of mm-hmm. mine. And it was part time during the day. And in Texas, you were back again. I was back on night shift. Mm-hmm. So I, I took up the the bulk of schooling the kids during the day. Mm-hmm. You were and solo was, teaching. Yeah, I was solo teaching. And that was, I think, a real pivotal, that's a good word, pivotal mm-hmm. time in our life and our family because I got to be a huge influence in their life because I was with them during the day. They it's had the best of me mm-hmm. and I had the best of them. We did the schoolwork, but we played as well. We would wrestle. We did that a lot growing up. And just, you know, and we would cook lunch together. 
we would make helper because our youngest didn't like the hamburger meat and hamburger <laughs> helper. So we had helper and usually mashed potatoes and some kind of a vegetable. And then we would sit down together after it was done and we would watch Beast Wars because that came on around lunchtime. And then when it wasn't on, we would use that time to watch Bonanza. <laughs> so it was just a, it was a good time. It was very important that I could help shape and mold their character a little bit by being that influence in their life and seeing that you can be fun and you can be serious and you can still get your work done. Well, you guys had a lot of quote unquote heavy conversations. We did have some really deep conversations. I was able to have the talk with my boys and explain a little bit about, you know, the birds and the bees and the all that kind of fun stuff. And some of it, not probably the most appropriate way to go about it, <laughs> but they learned and they had, I think, a, hopefully a positive influence on how you treat a lady, how you treat a girl, you know, and the important things and not to take advantage of somebody. Yeah. Whether they want you to or not, you need to think about your reputation, their reputation and yeah, stuff treating like that. someone with respect. Yeah. Too many kids are taught important lessons like that from other kids. And I, I realize that there are some parents who don't want to have those conversations at all because they're awkward and they're difficult, but those things need to be discussed. Lack of education and knowledge is almost never a good thing. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons that we wanted to keep schooling our kids was because part of the reason that it was working was because we were able to decide what information our kids got based on when they were ready for it. Yes. One of our boys matured a little faster than the other and was ready for things sooner in some mm -hmm. ways. And the other one was was not really ready at that same exact place in his mm -hmm. age. That would go along with the education, you know, the studies part of it, because okay. if you've got a child that's having problems grasping the concept of fractions in a traditional school environment, because you got so many kids, you just have to keep pushing on whether mm -hmm. they all get it or not. We were able to just sit down and really dig deep down into fractions to where they got the good understanding of it before they moved on to another concept. Mm -hmm. So we were able to master the concepts as they went along okay. and then build on it instead of just giving them a little bit small understanding but not really grasping it and yeah. then progressing on people would ask us all the time you know well, what if your boys ever want to go to school mm -hmm. and we actually did encounter that kind of sort of yeah um when we were in texas ryan asked if he could go to junior high to public school we were kind of like oh like we didn't really see that one coming he mm -hmm. didn't seem unhappy with his schoolwork at home and so we asked him, you know, some questions. Why do you want to do this? Why Why now? Why is this important? And he he was honest and he said, I only want to go because it's where I can see my friends more. Mm -hmm. I totally understood that. He was at that age and he was like, you know, will you guys just think about it and talk about it? And we told him that we would and we did. Part of me wanted to send him. I didn't want to hold back something if I thought he, he really wanted it. We didn't want him feeling like they necessarily missed out. Right. on anything right. so we thought about it we talked about it a lot and then 
we just, came back to him and said, okay, you know, we thought about it. and We just couldn't shake the feeling that what we were doing was best for him. Mm-hmm. And we told him that. And he actually agreed. He said, I definitely think academically it's better at home. And I like having my time. You know, he Ryan was very motivated. He would get up and do his schoolwork most of the time without much prompting. Mm-hmm. And it was because... Ryan believes in working first and playing later. He wants that reward of, you know, if I finish at two in the afternoon, I get the rest of the day to myself. If I finish at 1230, I'm done the rest of the day, Mm -hmm. whatever. So we told him, honestly, we didn't feel it was best for him. And he agreed. He said it was just purely for social reasons. We were like, well, we'd like to keep you home at least one more year. And he was like, that's fine. And he actually didn't ask again. And when Mm -hmm. we brought it up, he was like, no, I'm good. I'm I like doing this. So that was actually the beginning of Ryan starting to take ownership over his education and his time during and after school. He became a lot more proactive about his curriculum. He went with me to the book fairs Mm -hmm. and the conventions and he wanted to look at the curriculum. He had a hand, the catalogs would come in the mail and he would look them over and he would go to the convention and the workshops and check them out. And he helped choose them. And he had input over his assignments. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I remember one time, and this was actually in like fifth grade, I think, and he was learning to diagram sentences mm-hmm. and he was very good at it. I mean, he really grasped the concept and we'd only worked on it a couple of days. And there was a, I don't remember what curriculum we were using at that time, but whatever we were using had a lot mm-hmm. of diagramming practice in it. Yeah, And after like, one day, whatever, one time, one hour of working on it after he'd gotten it, he asked me, Hey mom, you know, what kind of job could I ever get where I would diagram sentences? And I sat there for a minute and I was like, well, you're going to be a teacher. You'd be teaching diagramming sentences. And if you're going to become a writer, you don't actually diagram sentences, but you have to know the structure Mm -hmm. so that you can write interesting and properly. And he said, okay, well, I'm not going to be either one of those things. Can we stop doing this now? (laughs) Actually, yes, yes, we can. And we will not do this ever again because you know it. And I think we just saved ourselves a week and some change of schoolwork and stuff that would have been just busy work. Right. And then, gosh, then we moved back Back to Georgia. Georgia And one. We'd been here about a year. Had it even been that long? I don't know. But one day Ryan asked randomly, how many more credits do I need to graduate? And so I pulled out the program that I kept all that information on and I let him know. And he said, okay, well, I want to, can I finish sooner? What do I have to do to finish? I said something like, you know, it'll take you another year and a half or year Mm -hmm. or something. And he asked if he could, how could he finish it sooner? What would it take? And I told him he'd just have to work longer each day and he could be done Mm -hmm. sooner. And he said, okay, that's what I want to do because I want to be finished with school so I can get a full-time job at Chick-fil-A. And I was like, what? That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to work at Chick-fil-A. And so he did. Mm-hmm. He he hustled and he got his schoolwork done and he got a job at Chick-fil-A, which he ended up not liking. <laughs> and But he worked it for a year. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, the kid who hated math decided he wanted to be a machinist and, but he didn't want to go to school for it. He wanted to 
get an internship. Right. Yeah. He was starting to really get into cars and he wanted to be able to do some major work on cars. Mm -hmm. And he thought being the machinist was going to help him along with that. So he started looking around and he found a shop close to where we live that he could do an apprenticeship with mm -hmm. an internship. Yep. And he set it all up all, you know, all on his own. Totally. And, and he's been working as a machinist. Off and on ever since. Yep. Like yeah. he, he knows it's a skill he can always fall back on, even though it's not his dream job anymore. It's definitely something mm -hmm. he can, he has, it's come in real handy. Yeah. <laughs> several times. And then a couple of years after that, Drew started asking questions about graduating early. When was he going to be done? How many credits did he have left? And what did he need? And because he had taken his time and passive about his education, instead of taking ownership of it, he actually had gotten behind. And it was going to take longer than originally thought. But he decided he didn't want any part of that. He said he wanted to get his GED. And at the time, it really made me nervous because, well, and you too, we were both like, mm, GED, oh, I don't know. Yeah, people with GEDs are looked down on. They were, yeah. Um, and Drew had toyed a little bit with going into the military. Mm -hmm. And the GED thing was not favorable. Very limited opportunities in the military, in the Air Force anyway, for what career fields you could get into with just a GED. Yep. So I told Drew if he wanted to finish sooner, if he wanted his GED, whatever way he was going to do it, he was going to have to take ownership over it. And he was going to have to make the phone calls to find out about getting his GED, which did not at all make him happy. But he called and he asked all the questions mm -hmm. and they told him, you know, it was very go at your own pace. It was one of the local technical colleges that was doing it. And he got himself enrolled in a GED prep course. He finished it in just a few months. Mm -hmm. And because of the way the Georgia school systems are, he was actually eligible to get the Hope Scholarship and go to the technical college mm -hmm. for his diploma, his CNC. Um, well, at the time, he was he wanted to go into computers. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 He switched gears partway through. So he did all of that himself. And he, he got his GED. And he took a little bit of a different path, but it absolutely worked out for him. Mm -hmm. I think our boys could have done well in college. Like academically, they would have been fine. Mm -hmm. But they would not have enjoyed. That's not their kind of experience. So they definitely chose, each of them chose a path that worked for him. Mm -hmm. But interestingly enough, both boys are machinists now. <laughs> and that's definitely not what we had envisioned, yeah, really. Yeah. Being a machinist, it's something I'd never done. Yeah. Um, it wasn't even on my radar or anything like that. But that's what they both decided they wanted to do for a while. So, yeah. We'll wrap all this up and we'll talk about <laughs> some of the some of our biggest takeaways from our experience. And what would you what would you say was your number one takeaway? Homeschooling. Gosh, it's a tie for me. Truthfully, it's a tie. One big deal to me was homeschooling offered our family stability and connectedness. Mm -hmm. They came with great sacrifices. Right. We we gave up things so that we could do that. We lived on one income, which was not nearly enough for a very long time mm -hmm. to do that. Right. Um, it was worth it, but it was not easy. Yeah, and you gave up. Furthering your education for and a very long time, and not that I gave potentially it potentially getting I, having a career that I did um, give up, yes. Mm -hmm. But I put off my education, I did want to do that significantly sooner than I did, but it worked out like it was supposed to because I knew the timing was not good. And the second big takeaway for me was 
Yes, the days felt long, but the years were short. They still went by fast, but I can honestly say that I absolutely did my best to savor Mm -hmm. the sweetness of each season of their growth. Yeah. Some seasons weren't as sweet as others. I'm not going to lie. And some seasons, especially the ones that were not sweet, lasted a hell of a lot longer than I wanted them to. Right. But generally speaking, I was really able to savor them like, and really enjoy and soak in their growth and their mm-hmm. development and who they were. Remember the time we gave, our, we gave each other um, native nicknames? Oh, yes. Yes. And so we just laid in our bed one Saturday morning and came up with the kids. It was from a movie. Oh, that kid, John, Jonathan Taylor Thomas was mm-hmm. in that movie yeah, with Chevy yeah. Chase. And um, he was like the stepdad or whatever. They um, went camping or something. And our boys were like, hey, let's give each other Indian nicknames. And so we did that one morning. And like, we didn't call each other that, but just the whole um, energy and mm-hmm. mood around that morning, it like lingered for a long, 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 long time. Yeah. So those are my two. What about yours? Well, being military, most of the time people will PCS, they'll change duty locations over the summer so they can start the new school year. That didn't work out very well for us because it seemed like most of our moves either happened mm, right mm-hmm. after school started. Or before it was or ended. Yeah. Mid-school year. Mm-hmm. You know, March time. We moved a lot over your birthday. Good March. Lord, yes. Yeah. So the stability of, okay, we're moving. Let's just pack up our books, mm-hmm. take them with us. We get to the next base. We're staying in hotels or whatever until we can get a house. We just started schooling right away. Yeah. So we still had that stability. Of the scenery education. changed, but other things were stable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we were able to really focus on helping to prepare them to be adults because we could focus on the life skills that they needed, how to clean a house how to cook. Lord knows they had more practice to, cleaning than they wanted. How to do their own laundry. Things like that, yeah. that. You know, when they moved out on their own, they would know how to manage their own house. I don't know if you remember those conversations, but I do. Because I remember one of them said one day, why do you make us clean so much? Our friends don't have to do all the things that we do. And my response was, I'm your mama and I am not going to come clean your house when you move out. And if you choose to get married, your spouse is going to appreciate that you know how to clean something. Mm-hmm. And and then, of course, one of them, I'm sure it was Ryan, said something about, well, I'm never going to get married. And um, what then? And I was like, well, then you'll clean up your own house or you are going to have to have a skill that pays you enough money that you can afford to hire someone to clean it. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you clean your house. I care you that know how. you know how because mm-hmm. you're not going to leave here and say, nobody taught me. I don't know how to make a pizza. I don't know how to use a stove. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to use a washing machine. And so if you're you know, friends with me on social media, you have heard me or read that I have said, if your kid is old enough to use a cell phone or an iPad or any other type of device, your kid is old enough to start learning how to use the washing machine and the stove and start taking ownership of their life. Mm-hmm. And so um, our kids would say all the time that that their friends didn't have to do as much. But of course, my whole thing is, well, your friends are not my concern. You right. are mine. Right. I'm trying to prepare you for life. And so, um, yeah. And was- we were also able to consistently expose them to 
younger kids, babies, kids yes. younger than them, kids their same age, kids older than them, young adults, um, married couples, single people, elderly people. So they had a very wide social interaction with so many different age groups. It was very important that I had kids who could talk to a two-year-old as easily and as comfortably as they could talk to an 80-year-old mm -hmm. with the same um, level of respect due that person and um, realistic expectation of uh, how to converse with that person. Mm -hmm. And um, and it's funny because we really did try in that area and we really must have uh, hit our mark because when Emma was born, Ryan was probably the most hands-on, prepared, unafraid dad, most comfortable dad mm -hmm. of a newborn I've ever seen. He was very, um, just very hands-on. He mm -hmm. was ready to hold her. He wasn't intimidated. He wasn't afraid of her. He was just very ready and, and emotionally prepared to care for her. Mm -hmm. I mean, he still marveled over her. He just kept saying over and over, she's so beautiful. She's mm -hmm. so beautiful, which was amazing. It was one of the things that we got right. Yeah. There were a lot we got wrong, but that was one of the things we got yeah, right. In so. fact, it, so what would you say would be some of the things that you wished we had done differently? Mm. First, I wish we had read more books from the library and used fewer curriculum books. I wish I would have let both of them use their interest to lead more at a younger age. Mm -hmm. Like Ryan very much when he got older was he found a study uh, in English for English on the Lord of the Rings, which he loved mm -hmm. that book. And it was it, the whole curriculum was everything he needed it to be to expand his English, mm -hmm. his knowledge of the English language and grammar and all that. And um, so I wish I had done things like that that were more directed more unschooling things, less structured stuff. I do wish we had grown a garden. Mm -hmm. Not that they grew up thinking food actually came in a can, but just more hands-on for just them. How to grow your own food. Yeah. Yep. And the biggest thing is I wish I would have had them cook more and plan more. Like nobody tells you that when you grow up, your whole rest of your life is about planning what you're going to eat, shopping for what you're going to eat, bringing it home, putting it away, fixing it, and then cleaning it all up and then starting over again the next day. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, it's nobody, my mother did me a huge disservice by never telling me that. Mm. And and so I do wish that I would have had them do more things like that. For me, it was, I wish we had been able to travel more mm -hmm. and see different things Definitely. and take, you know, educational trips, places for history and yeah. know, geology and geography and things like Even that. Even short yeah. trips. But sure. I think my biggest regret, and it's not really a regret because, you know, I was, I was physical with the kids mm -hmm. as far as playing and wrestling. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I grew up watching wrestling. So we went through a lot of couches by me body slamming children on the couch while we're Indeed. wrestling together and Indeed. all this kind of stuff. And I wish I had really grasped the concept of their, their physical. They like that combative type sport, especially Ryan, especially mm -hmm. Ryan. And, and really directed him into MMA and jujitsu and things like that, because I mean, they're both heavily into it now and they love it and they're both good at it. I just wish I had been able to see that and understand. And it had been 
more readily available yeah, in we the areas have that we lived in mm-hmm. to be able to get them into right. something like that. Because right. we had mentioned karate and taekwondo and things like that with them. But, you know, I think Ryan said at one point, well, why don't I just want to hit a board? <laughs> yeah. That doesn't make sense. Tried to tell him there's more to it than that. But in his little yeah. mind, yeah, you're right. He He's a very physical person. And so, plus there's just the whole self-defense thing. Yes. Like, short of being able to keep someone away from you with a gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or, you know, rocket launcher, missile, grenade, yeah, something. It, it, it would be a, it would be a person. Right. So he would, because of his stature, he could be picked on. Yeah. And, you know, I wish we had been able to get him into the self-defense kind of thing where, you know. Everyone needs that. Yeah. Everyone. And not absolutely. that he was picked on or bullied or anything like that. No. But um, just that training, that discipline of being mm-hmm. in that type of environment and that type of sport. You know, it's just, I don't know. And there's something just very empowering to be able to feel like you could sort of take care of yourself mm-hmm. in some situations. Yeah. I would agree with that too. I wish we would have had access to that yeah. um, when they were young. So, yeah. Yeah. So does that wrap everything up? I think that... Uh, I Do think you have any more questions for me? I don't have any questions for you <laughs> um, that are appropriate for this audience. But no, I, I enjoy doing these with you. I like talking about some of the struggles and victories and all kind of things that we've had throughout our. Okay. So since you're in charge this time, do I get to tell people where to find me? On yes. How can people connect with you on social? <laughs> well, you can find me on Instagram. I don't have a big presence on there because I don't love it, but my username on there is I'm Eva Miller. I am on Facebook a lot and I have a Facebook page. It's called fractured to fabulous, or you can just, Find me on my personal page, Eva Miller. Mm-hmm. And oh, and we'll put an email me. address in the show notes. You can always email me. Yes, it's in the show notes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And if people want to connect with me through social on Instagram, it's Brian Moose Miller. Very good. So, yeah. You're good at this. Uh, you know, maybe I should be a professional podcaster instead of network marketer. Maybe you should. IT person. Maybe you should. Uh-huh. We'll see. We'll talk about that. <laughs> Take us out. I don't know how to do that. You say, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. See, you did it. Good job. (laughs) Have a great week. Well, it's time for me to fly. But if you like what you heard, I would love it if you left a five-star review. It helps grow the podcast and I'll be forever grateful. Thanks for being here. Talk soon.